Welcome to the Ancient Paths Podcast, a journey of unlearning to learn the New Testament church, where we look at what we've learned or experienced and hold it up to the light of Scripture and the stories of the New Testament and early church, then discover together how we can return to those ancient paths so the church would thrive and live again. I'm Daniel Sabo, and I'm honored to be your host. Well, today's a, a little bit of a different uh, podcast recording for us. I have the honor of uh, interviewing someone who just meeting today, but have already been uh, just really profoundly impacted by his work, uh, and such an honor to have you with us. Uh, David Berceau, author of A Dictionary of Early Christian Beliefs and some other writings too. Uh, we're going to have the links and everything to our uh, t- to his material um, on our, our podcast and on our uh, YouTube, social media, and everything. But David, thank you so much for being with us today. Sure, Dan. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love just to kind of start with hearing your story. I mean, to to write a book like that, that you don't wake up one morning and, and decide to write a book like that. There's got to be a journey that gets you there. And so tell us, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So it, it's uh, probably a, a bit unusual in most people's journey. I started off, both my wife and I, as Jehovah's Witnesses. We were raised as Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, we left when we were both 26 years old and then yeah started a journey to find out what is the historic faith what where is the true church where are god's people and and that's been a long journey so from there we um were attending an evangelical church in the background, I was going to college because Jehovah's Witnesses don't encourage you to go to college. They discourage it oh, strongly. Okay. So, yeah, I started college and then went on to law school. So instead of pursuing theology, um, which is my great love, yeah, I, I uh, went into law for a living. But, yeah, it freed me to do the kind of research I've been doing. So... Um, the big step from there, the evangelical church, we were greatly blessed. I mean, wonderful people, wonderful pastor, um, was a, just a, a giant leap uh, into Orthodox Christianity. Yeah. And, uh, but there were, I don't know, some nagging questions. You know, after the experience of growing up as a Jehovah's Witness and being taught, okay, this is what the faith is, this is, you know, the truth, etc. I had made the resolve I was never again going to just accept somebody's word, you know, some pastor, some writer, whoever it was, that, okay, this is it, and you have to accept it. So um, as much as I was blessed by the church I was going to, there were some questions in my mind, and, and yeah, if this steps on any toes, um, I, I apologize. Uh, I'm not, you know, that's not my intention. But the big, probably the biggest question on my mind was eternal security, once saved, always saved. And, and maybe that's something you embrace, Dan. I, I, don't, I don't even know. So I should have asked you before. No, before it's okay. I, we, we don't have to agree to have a great conversation. So I'm, I'm it, excited to hear your perspective. Yeah. So... You know, the Bible seemed to say one thing to me, you know, and well, by the, by that time we had a different pastor than the one uh, that had initially been there. 
And um, he was much more by the book, you know, Dallas Theological Seminary. And, um, you know, he said, no, you know, this is, you know, the historic faith. Uh, you know, they've, they've always, Christians always believed, you know, once saved, always saved. And I thought, well, if that's the truth, then, yeah, I need to embrace that. I, I saw the great error that Charles Russell, who started Jehovah's Witnesses, this idea of, this was in the 1870s in his case, of imagining that, oh, I've just discovered Christianity. Everyone has been wrong for 1,800 years, <laughs> and now I've really discovered the truth. And, of course, he's only one of yeah, many. hundreds or thousands yeah. <laughs> who have done the same thing. And I thought, no, um, I'm not going to do that. I want to know, and I want to embrace the historic faith. And yeah, if that's once saved, always saved, great, you know, or or whatever. You know, there were there were other questions I had. But like I said, I didn't want to take somebody's word. I, I wanted to really know. And so I had been aware, I think, from the time I was a teenager that we had writings from early Christians who were not that long after the apostles. I mean, I was always seeing them quoted. I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses quote them sometimes, evangelicals, you know, quoted them. I noticed, you know, a lot of people quote them. Do you, do you remember some them. of the ones uh, that at that time you had at least a little bit of context from some of those names? Yeah, a, a little bit, but not a lot. I just was familiar with the names like Tertullian, Justin Martyr. Okay, I, yeah. I'd heard of them, Origin, you know, a, a few like that, but I, you know, I'd never read them. I'd just seen these proof texts. Yeah, their quotes. name and a little. <laughs> yeah, and they're easy to prove. I mean, if the scriptures are easy to prove text, huh, the early Christians, because they're much more voluminous, you know? Yeah. So you're seeing bits and pieces of some of these early church uh, writers, their little statements, but uh, what's the greater context? You hadn't had yet a chance to kind of read the, the, the wholeness of what they're writing, just seeing these little clips and things from that point. Right. So I had, I, I guess, from both college and, and um, my law studies, I saw the great need to go to primary sources. You know, depending on secondary sources, you, you would never do it as a lawyer. You would not depend on a legal encyclopedia, even though they're written by attorneys. You go to the actual cases uh, from the appellate courts, you read the actual cases. I mean, boy, that was pounded in our heads in law school. You don't depend on on a secondary source. And so I thought, you know, I need to bite the bullet and just read these guys for myself. So I ordered a uh, set of the Antinicene Fathers. Back then it was $100, so it wasn't uh, too expensive. It's 10 volumes. I spent a year, um, I, I still was working, but um, ev I took him to the law office. If I didn't have a client, if I had a spare moment, I, I would just read. I would come home at lunch and read. My, my wife would bring me a sandwich. Uh, I'd come home at night, maybe spend an hour with the children. It, it wasn't a great time for, the best time for family <laughs> time, but I didn't, I didn't let the family go. But... Uh, I would read every night until midnight or beyond, wow. and I kept doing this uh, day after day. Now, it was difficult getting in them because, oh, 
did I see a lot of things that went against stuff that I believed. I mean, stepped on my toes all over the place. And and at first, well, it happened several times. I thought, no, <laughs> this is just too different. Something's wrong. I just, you know, put it back on the shelf. And it's like, okay, that's it. I'm not going to read any further. But then I got to thinking, you know, I don't have to believe what these guys believed. Right. And I owe it to myself to at least know yeah. what they believed back then. So I kept reading, and you know, I started it. You know, at first, it's a lot of things seemed strange, but as I kept reading, I did see a continuity between the writers. They 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 were saying very similar things, and so one night, instead of reading them, I just took the New Testament and read the whole thing. I I, I read Matthew and John. I didn't read uh, Luke and Mark. Uh, but other than that, I read all the way to the end of Revelation. I don't know what time I went to bed, but yeah, I read it all in one one sitting. Um, and it was amazing to me, all these things that are right there in the New Testament, I'd never noticed. They'd always been explained away. And these were things the early Christians were taking seriously, literally. And it's like, I realized everything they were saying was the most literal, obvious interpretation of the New Testament. Yeah. So that gave me a, a really renewed interest, you know, to continue on. And it, it got so exciting. I mean, it was like reading a long mystery novel <laughs> that I just couldn't wait to get yeah. back into it, you know. And um, and then when I finished them, I went on because I was thinking, well, what happened? If this is what they believed before the Council of Nicaea, what happened? And so I got the, the next set of the uh, Nicene and post-Nicene writers, and I didn't read them completely like I did the anti-Nicene fathers, but I read quite a lot of those writings of people, you know, John Chrysostom, Athanasius, Augustine, uh, a lot of those, those people in that uh, century and a little beyond. And then um, I skipped through most of the Middle Ages and, and then read Luther, Calvin. I read their own writings. Uh, Menno Simons, who was uh, with the Anabaptists, just trying to figure out, okay, did anyone pick this this strain up? You know, what, where did all this disappear? And um, so, yeah, so then after a year plus of, of reading, I, yeah, I told the family, I mean, it convicted me. I mean, it, it it nothing uh, that was one of the major change points in my life it was like before i started reading them i mean i was a you know sunday school teacher in our church i was respected as you know somebody who was a decent you know maybe not model but you know whatever christian i mean um i think highly respected and I realized if I lived back in the second century, I would be viewed as a backslidden, weak, you know, watered-down wow. Christian. And I, I, the conviction for me was this, this is not acceptable to God. I have got to change my life. And not that I had anything overtly wicked going on. It was um, just lots of things. I definitely— Loved the world a lot more than Christians back then. Um, I saw my uh, my profession. I had to think 
you know, fortunately, I was not a trial lawyer, but I did file a lot of lawsuits against people. I was an oil and gas attorney, and, um, and sometimes there would be issues about royalties and all of that. And I saw the early Christians, they took the Sermon on the Mount so literally um, that, yeah, they wouldn't take someone to court. You know, not just their brother they wouldn't take to court. They wouldn't take their neighbor to court, you know? And I thought, wow, wow um, yeah, would Christ do what I'm doing? I'm not saying it condemning other attorneys or anything. I'm just saying what convicted me in my life. So I decided, yeah, that was going to have to end. And like I say, fortunately, it was not a big part of my practice. Um, it was one of the more financially lucrative, I would say. Um, but um, I could turn to title work, which is boring. <laughs> Most attorneys don't like doing it. Uh, but I could do it with a completely clear conscience. You know, you're yeah. just title work is very similar to what I was doing with the early church. You're trying to find out the truth. Who owns a tract of land? And you don't care as a title attorney, and you don't even start off with an assumption. You start off—I was in Texas at the time, so I'd start off with the state of Texas when they owned the land, or even when Mexico owned it, and then just trace it forward, will by will, deed by deed, up to the present day, and then, oh, this is who owns it, you know? And then I could do with a clear conscience, and so yeah, so that was—I I turned to just doing title work which I had done, you know, a good bit as an oil and gas attorney, and I just yeah. started doing that exclusively. It, it wasn't as exciting as the suing people. <laughs> uh, but like I say, I, I, I just felt like, yeah, I don't want, I, I want to live like they did. And not that I've achieved that, but I, I was just amazed, as I said, the Sermon on the Mount to them was not an ideal, an unreachable ideal. This was like, these are Christ's instructions of how we are supposed to live, and uh, they did their best to live that. And so, yeah, I made that my goal in life to serve my Lord by taking his teachings literally. And um, um, so, yeah, we made a lot of changes in our life uh, well, as can, a family. David, can we I did ask it. you, is there maybe a— Two or three things that you would say, um, you know, through that, that some practices, some perspectives, some, I mean, clearly uh, your honor for the word, your honor for, you know, God and his way is for someone to change what they're doing at their job and their practice is a big deal. So I, I honor you for that. I, I would love just to hear a little bit deeper of a dive into that. So what's Give me a couple of the things that you saw. I mean, you you use the analogy of you were a well-respected Sunday school teacher, where in comparison at that time you would have been seen as a, a backslidden heathen. So, what what are some of those? Uh, if if you know whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah. So I realized I was. Yeah, I was wanting to, you know, get. Uh, comfortable materially, you know, be wealthy. I mean, that's why I went into law. It's a high-paying profession. I wanted to be well-respected in the community as an attorney. You know, people look up. Theoretically, they they probably, behind your back, uh, say more derogatory things. But um, 
yeah, I realized I cared too much about those things. Instead yeah. of, you know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And it's like, I don't have to work all these hours. Uh, some people do. I mean, um, uh, you know, a person needs to support their family. But as an attorney, I didn't need to work 40 hours for us to uh, be able to have our needs met. So one of the things I did, um, and, and this happened over a period of, of a number of years, I, I didn't just rush into, I'm going to just change everything. And um, I worked very closely with my wife and our two teenage children because I didn't want to lose them on the journey. I wanted to make yeah. sure we were in it together. That's great. But, um, yeah, so I cut back my work considerably. Eventually, I just started working part-time. Wow. And I could do that as an attorney and support us. So that was, yeah, it's a major change that way. Um, we started homeschooling our children. Um, we were in a, a, a rural um, area, I mean, a small town in Texas in the Bible Belt. So thankfully, um, what was being taught in school wasn't too bad. It wasn't yeah. like today. Yeah. But... Um, uh, the children actually requested if if they could homeschool. They had made a number of friends, and and again, I'm not condemning someone whose children go to public school, um, but yeah, we just felt like we would rather control what they're learning, have have more um, input into that. So started homeschooling them. We made a lot of changes as far as entertainment. We uh, uh got rid of television. I mean, we still kept our television set where we could watch select videos. But I thought, why do I need the world just coming into my home all, all the time? Um, I mean, the early Christians were trying to get a, away from the world, not not by becoming monks out in the desert. They certainly engaged the world. But, yeah, they didn't care for the world's entertainment. And that was one reason the Rome, the pagans didn't like them, is they, they wouldn't go to the Colosseum yeah. and uh, you know, watch that the entertainment that everyone else was enjoying that they 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 weren't a part of, and that that really put a target on them. Yeah. So, you know, I talked to the children about it, and 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 we all agreed. Yeah, we can we can live without network television. And um, the interesting thing, um, I forget who asked uh, my daughter, my teenage daughter. Uh, so. Yeah, how do you feel about all these changes, you know, your family's doing? You know, you've given up this and that and all that. And she said, oh, well, that's when life started getting fun, you wow. know. And um, one of the decisions I made was anything that I was going to ask the family to sacrifice, I would uh, bring in something just as good or better to replace it. So if we got rid of television... They they remember me after supper, often going back to the office and working late at, at night. So all of that ended. I was suddenly spending lots more time with the family. We were doing family outings uh, every weekend. And um, so, yeah, for, for them, it was great. You know, dad, dad was home now all the time. In fact, uh, I eventually moved my office uh, to my home and was able to work out of home. And so I was able to uh, 
uh, do most of the homeschooling of our of our son, and I did a lot of our daughters as as well. And so that was a real joy being able to you know teach my children to have the time to do that, and then you know to be with them all all the time you know throughout the day. So like I say, there were blessings, and and we didn't really miss the things we we gave up, but we wanted a much more Christ-centered life, not just giving part of our life to Christ, but but really all of it. And, and again, uh, uh, anyone listening to this, I'm not saying that my journey has to be somebody else's. You, you know that. Right. Um, but I would just say, I would encourage someone, yeah, to read some of these writings for yourself. Uh, some of the ones I can mention that are pretty easy reading, none of them are, are real light, but some of the easier ones, um, if you have the Anti-Nicene Fathers, and, and they're online, yeah. Um, the of course, the DDK is very short and readable. Uh, there's a work called Letter to Diognetus, again, very short, uh, very readable. Tertullian's um, apology is just classic. It, it's it's quite readable. And then there's one by um, a man named Minutius Felix, not a well-known writer, but um, he has a debate between a pagan and a Christian, and it's just fascinating. It was written okay. as an apologetic work, but it, it's probably the most, uh, you know, engaging work of all the early Christians. Again, it's not real long, but in those, you just see what it meant to be a Christian back in those days. It wasn't a lot of theology. They yeah. were not focused on theology. There, there were some basics that could not be compromised. But, yeah, beyond that, it was a focus on how you lived your life. Right. And, and that's what impressed me. I saw all the theological issues, um, and I certainly took note of them. But the, the lifestyle is, is what impacted me the most. Thanks for listening to part one of our conversation with David Berceau. We decided to ignore the time and go long and later release it in three episodes. So be sure to come back next week and listen to part two. Be sure also to check out the links in the description for more of David's writing. I'm not searching for some new truth. I'm just longing for the truth. You can't help but notice there's something missing. Would you help us get honest? Would you help us get